You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Hello and welcome to the JCN Clinic podcast show. I'm Jessica. And I'm Alana. <laughs> Different voice with us today. We've got Alana Willis with us. And Carissa has been benched. Yep, she's out. Mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which means the tone will be quieter and probably less profanities. <laughs> Just wait and see, right? <laughs> That's it. I might actually be able to not put on the little explicit when I go and upload this. Usually every time I'm like, yep, yep. Yep, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know Lani, she is one of the nutritionists at the JCN Clinic. And we have Lani on with me today to talk about the whole well it's a huge area but we're going to be doubling into more her personal experience with the conception or (laughs) that sounds good doesn't it (laughs) (laughs) not specifically your personal story with conception that would be a bit weird (laughs) just a bit (laughs) so the preconception but more we want to talk about the sort of first trimester of uh, pregnancy and then I really wanted to talk to Lani about her personal experience with then once her first uh, child was here and how that went for her Um, particularly we want to talk about this from a nutritional perspective but also just the um, expectations that can come with this and the sort of outside and internal demands that you can feel Um, And we wanted to do this too because Lani has a workshop coming up actually this Saturday, um, which was in the clinic, but because you're all never wanting to leave the house anymore, we've decided (laughs) to make it online. (laughs) Um, And we'll talk about that as we go through, but it's an event this Saturday at 10am online, um, but you will be able to join after if that suits you. So, um, let's dive on in. Let's Um, do it. Yeah. So, I wanted to start, Lani, with the... So, I I say preconception, and I don't really know a lot, to be honest, about your story around that. But I know, um, particularly at the moment with your pregnancy, because you're pregnant with number two now, and um, I've kind of been with you... well in Brisbane but probably more so online as you've really navigated that first trimester in particular where you had a lot of I guess struggles with the um a lot of the common um symptoms that women experience and I think I said to you just before even starting this like as a nutritionist um and what you know there's still so much that um you have to navigate emotionally and mentally as far as what you feel like you should be doing versus what is going on so um yeah I was really keen to hear more from you about how you went through that 
period of time and and what you did to navigate that and even I guess you know can we say navigate it like it's something that you can just tick a box and go yeah I did great with that like (laughs) yeah definitely not um (laughs) no it's um it is really interesting looking at it like going through it second time around as well I think my approach to things was different um so I guess first time around with when I felt first fell pregnant with Georgie um look I know so talking about a preconception perspective on things and I guess the best gold standard approach is to kind of have your ducks lined up before you conceive is is the best thing to do really for your pregnancy experience and ensuring you've got the best nutrients on board and all that kind of stuff so in terms of doing that, I guess I was somewhat proactive in that, but I was like con- conceiving Georgie and um, this next bub happened very quickly for us. So we were really lucky in that regard. Um, so I guess I didn't essentially spend a- as much time doing the prep that I would have liked to. Um, but in saying that I did have the nutritional knowledge behind me to have this kind of stuff in practice um anyway so it it worked out fine in the end but um in terms of yeah falling pregnant and then ensuring nutrients were optimal and all that kind of stuff um yeah was yeah sub you know kind of par um did you (laughs) did you get a chat like you obviously were like okay right i know that we want to have a baby and we want to start trying but was it more so that it just happened so quickly like you were you sort of like thinking okay I want to have the next three months or I want to have the next six months to do xyz and make sure all of my blood parameters are ticking all the boxes and then it was like oh what uh, hang on yeah yeah <laughs> this happened a lot quicker is that is that what you mean yeah that's exactly what I mean yeah so yeah. um yeah like as I said we were so lucky in that regard and it, it happened a lot quicker than I anticipated so yeah I, I had intended on having a lot more like prep done in that area but um yeah it kind of just happened so I guess I wanted to say that because I know that a lot of women that I see coming to clinic are actually already pregnant and they haven't done any of the preconception care that is really recommended for women to do and men too. Um, And it is something that we, like I've touched on in the Insta Live we did the other day and like all that, you know, it's quite talked about. So um, I guess I just wanted to say that to put it out there that it's not, essential it is Mm. helpful but it is something you can also manage while you're pregnant too um yeah so that's so true because again that can be one other pressure right yes exactly talking about this like one of the things in the workshop you'll talk about is that sort of food nutrition space from a preconception point of view which is great but it's also like okay this doesn't need to be this this epic pressure on your shoulders that you have to do this yeah. like 110 percent yeah like and we don't need to like yeah. yeah be so stringent about it and don't need to like put all this pressure on ourselves as women which i think there is already so much pressure mm-hmm. um when it comes to conception and pregnancy and that like it's a it's a scary time for some women um so yeah it's it's just something to that i wanted to touch on there 
um, yeah, once we did conceive and then we kind of went, I went into first trimester with Georgie. Um, it was actually around the time of COVID lockdown, like 1.0, I guess. So like when COVID first started happening and Brisbane first went into lockdown. So I was actually super lucky that everything like life just went on hold for a bit for me. So I could just stay at home and suffer in silence with my <laughs> symptoms. <laughs> Well, not silent. Richie wouldn't call it that, my husband. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, second time round with this pregnancy, uh, life was quite different having a baby. So Georgie was about eight months old when I fell pregnant again. Um, and then that's also when I started working again at JCN and yeah, a lot of stuff happening that time around. So the the nausea was more severe this time um but then coupled with that was a lot of other kind of like mental health symptoms like anxiety and things like that so um yeah it was a pretty full-on time and it is something that women you know it's different for everyone and i'm really envious of those women that just mm -hmm. don't get any symptoms during pregnancy or you know those those typical first trimester symptoms anyway mm. um I do have, I do know people that just feel fine the whole time. And I'm like, like how? Yeah. <laughs> it's unreal. Um, so yeah, it was, it is a, a hard time for some people. And obviously there, there's been people that I know as well that have had it way more severe than mm. me and like classic cases, Emma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Poor thing. She, um, yeah, she had a really tough time with Elkie. So yeah, it's, it is, but there is like some, you know, part of it is just waiting it out and hopefully the symptoms kind of ease off as you progress through pregnancy. But there are some little tips and tricks that I've found as well that helped me navigate those symptoms as well during that time. Mm -hmm. So. And how um, did you find it mentally? And I guess there's an emotional component that's tied to it, but I just, again, I think I mentioned it earlier. There's, there's so much pressure again in this space as far as being, once you are even then pregnant, as far as how you feed you ultimately then feeding this growing baby. And it's one thing to feel that from a societal pressure, but then as a nutritionist, and wearing that hat and, and knowing what you know, like how did you feel going through that? I guess even from first pregnancy to second pregnancy too, did, was yeah. there a difference between what you felt with the two different scenarios? Oh, totally, yeah. I um, First time around, I definitely had put a lot of pressure on myself and felt mm. really um, kind of felt bad that I couldn't eat the foods that I knew were the best for me. Um, so to support pregnancy and stuff, I just couldn't even look at a vegetable both <laughs> times, <laughs> just no, thank you. Um, but then having that nutrition knowledge as well, I was like, I know how important this is for my health and for the baby and everything, but I just, I can't even stomach it. Like, so it, it was really hard. Um, and I definitely, yeah, gave myself a hard time first time around with Georgie. Um, but yeah, this, this second time I was just, you know, I had that, 
awareness that I was like, it is only for, usually for most women, it's only a short amount of time. And that's true for me. So it lasted from about six weeks uh, till about 12 to 13 weeks this time around. And that's after that, the nausea really subsided. So um, like during that time, it was bloody tough. <laughs> and mm -hmm. yeah, I basically lived on Vegemite toast for most mm -hmm. of it. Um, but I definitely, yeah, took a step back this time and was just like, I know that it's short lived. It's not forever. I've done, you know, I've got good habits in place dietary wise, nutritionally. Um, I've been keeping check on my, you know, um, pathology markers like iron and all those nutrients that are so important. So I know that I'm in a good spot here to support myself. So I know that this period of eating crappy mm -hmm. food isn't going to be the end of everything, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. yeah, I think that's something I talk to people a fair bit about like friends or clients, um, when it comes to pregnancy, like, and they're having a hard time with what foods they can eat and the nausea. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I always just kind of reassure them and saying it's, it's not forever. And your body's so amazing at still providing what nutrients are required for pregnancy, uh, and growing the baby. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. I think, yeah, definitely second time around. I was just like, I, I can't stress over this. <laughs> I've got enough on my plate now. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. And that's, that's why I was curious to hear you talk about that and to share that because I think it's important for people listening to hear that, like for it to come from you and to have gone through that, but also just to come out sort of second time around going, hang on, hang on. Why am I doing this? Why am I putting all of this pressure on myself? Like there's, there's no need to, to do this. Like I, yeah. I've done it. I'm doing everything I can for me right now, but I just need to get through it and stop beating myself up because so, so many women will really give themselves a hard time through this phase. Oh, definitely. And I think it, that comes with the territory of motherhood as well is that, you know, once you find out you're pregnant uh, or have your baby, you know, everything, your whole kind of perception changes to want to support this baby. Um, mm. So, yeah, you, you just want to do the, the best you possibly can for them. Um, but that can sometimes come at the detriment of your own mental health. Yeah. Uh, which is what we so often see with mums as well, as they just put what they need to the side. You know, it's, yeah, if they don't have time to do something, it's often what the mum needs that suffers. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, I guess it's just talking about it and making it real um, just hopefully gives women some empowerment to kind of be a bit more proactive about, yeah, looking after themselves I guess and not being so hard on themselves is yeah exactly and you mentioned about the anxiety side of things too like again as far as you're comfortable to go into but mm. did you feel that was something for you was driven by the hormonal shifts um that were going on in your body versus obviously particularly this time around like you were juggling a lot with like taking on a new job and learning so much but I, I guess that's another um, maybe more common scenario for women that they talk about is those changes in here that how they feel mentally as far as whether it's anxiety or like a, 
a really low mood or shifts in that space? Yeah, it's, I mean, for me specifically, there was a, a few different factors that you've mentioned there that contributed to my heightened anxiety, basically. But like, yeah, so being new job at JCN, um, dealing with the nausea and fatigue and all that of first trimester and then also putting Georgie into daycare and that like that whole new life stage. Um, yeah. And just working around that as well. So that all of those things for me had combined in, yeah, kind of adding to my increased anxiety levels there. Um, but you're totally right that for women, like the change of hormones, um, and yeah, coupled with the symptoms they feel and just the added pressure that we talked mm. about of pregnancy and the fear around something terrible happening. Like it's so real and can be really full on for some women. Um, and I, yeah, it's, it's something that can be really hard to manage, but it's it, for me and again, people I've spoken to talking about it and being open about these things can be really helpful. Like that's what I did. Um, you know, I was really honest with my husband and you, Jess. <laughs> I was just so like br brutally honest about Which like, great. you know, quite a few teary conversations. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, that's, such an important part of it too, I think, is just normalizing and yeah, talking about how this does happen for women. Um, yeah, particularly in the first trimester stage, it can be quite prominent. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. there was different things. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if we wanna go into how we can kind of manage that a bit or, yeah, I mean, there's a few different things that I did to try and help, but, um, yeah, I, I guess it's, um, yeah. Is that something that you'll be covering in the workshop as far as some of those tips or is there some that you feel like you can talk about today? Oh, um, uh, I guess it's, I, hadn't I haven't touched on it much in the workshop actually in terms of that. It's more about the, um, the nausea, like kind of eating strategies around the nausea mm -hmm. and fatigue and that kind of aspect that mm -hmm. the workshop was more focusing on. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of like the mental health and anxiety mm -hmm. side of things, it's, I guess for me in my experience, I found it really helpful like to talk about it, as I said, mm -hmm. um, like just even general, really simple lifestyle stuff like the exercise, which can be really hard in first trimester because you feel like absolute rubbish. Mm -hmm. um, your energy levels can be so low. So even, but even just going out for a light walk or something like that can be really helpful. Um, that's what I did anyway. And that really helped. Um, yeah. And even, you know, there are certain supplements that can be used as well to help support that kind of side of things like your nervous system and, and things like that too. So I probably won't go too far into that um, just on the podcast here, but that's something that can be talked more about in the workshop setting or a consultation with one of the girls at JCN. Um, yeah. There's like specific nutrients and, and things like that can, that can be really helpful for mm. mental health too. So that I've found beneficial for me anyway. Yeah. 
Like, so you found, again, we won't go into details, but you found there were certain things that you could take supplementally through that phase that, that did help ease things from an anxiety point of view. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah cool. um, certain supplements were helpful. Um, so, yeah, but again, it's so individual. And I know you guys, exactly, like, right? yeah. you say that all the time on the podcast and, and things like that. Like, it's just such an individual thing. It comes down to, like, what you need and um, what you're comfortable taking with as well. Like I know a lot mm-hmm. of women going into pregnancy don't want to take a whole lot of supplements either. So mm. obviously I'm of the of an approach where I've got education around the nutrients and things like that. So I'm comfortable taking things. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, that's just totally different for everyone. So yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well. I want to jump to the other end. Yeah. <laughs> so not like I'm sure, you know, we couldn't go through each trimester and talk about it's it's different things that it brings. Mm-hmm. Um, although I do, I, I must say, I do remember when you made that shift with exercise. Um, I think you definitely was the walking, but I, I remember having a chat to you where you got to the point where you felt like you could start going back to the gym. Yes. And, and you were just like, oh, my God, like how much of a shift that made again too. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I remember that too because I – um, yeah, I'd actually like went and signed up to the gym because part of that was finding something that worked with Georgie as well. Mm. Um, so when I had her like finding – either a gym that had some sort of crash in it that could look after her or, you know, just it, yeah. it, it, I found it really tricky actually to, um, yeah, just find classes or gyms that could facilitate that just along with her sleep cycles and all this kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, that's a whole really? different tangent. Wow. Yeah. I, thought, I actually thought there was better services for that now, but obviously. Yeah, not. like there is, but I think just with, um, kind of the routine that Georgie was in made it a bit harder. So yeah, like basically like without going too far into it, cause that's way on a tangent, <laughs> but um, yeah, she slept like mo- her, she had a big sleep in the mid morning and that's when most of the class, like the mums and bubs uh, classes would be. And that's yeah, when the, yeah. most of the creches are open and all this kind of stuff. So I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that- that's so true. I always think of it, like if you're at the gym a bit later, it's always that classic sort of, 9 10 a.m where the mums come in and the babies you see them all going into the creches yeah like it's, it's such a classic time <laughs> totally yeah like so yeah that for us at that stage it was just really hard um but obviously yeah. that changes as her sleep routine changes um mm-hmm. but yeah once i actually signed up to the gym again and started exercising i was just like oh my god like the anxiety mm-hmm. lifted immensely lot not fully but like mm. i felt a lot lighter and happier oh, and so just cool. the to have the ability to exercise again yeah um really made a huge difference for me so yeah yeah oh, i think that's amazing there's so much in that isn't it? it's like the endorphins the blood pumping the time on your own just feeling like you again like there's so yeah. many things that you just get back there yeah definitely like all of that combined for sure makes a big difference um mm-hmm. but yeah it can be really hard yeah as well. <laughs> so speaking of hard as i said it's not like the there's not other challenges throughout but i wanted to as i said jump to the other end as far as when georgie was with you and mm. um obviously you're getting closer and closer <laughs> to um uh, 
<laughs> Number two. Tell me about it. Kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. But I, I feel like that's another area where there's a lot of pressure, um, so, so much pressure. And, again, I think a lot that women are putting onto themselves versus, like, probably what they're seeing when they scroll through their socials. Oh my god, it's so much, and I mm. and I think I've said it on the podcast before. I know I've said it to you about my sis-in-law, which who spikes up every time as a mum that she hears the words postnatal de- depletion. <laughs> but, and she heard you talk about postnatal replenishment. She was like, "That's better. I like that so much better." Just <laughs> yeah. like she just feels like depletion is so disempowering. Like it really, I was really fascinated when she said it to me. So. Um, yeah, I was really, again, curious to hear, and I'm sure listeners are who are interested in this topic, like your experience going through this, um, God, is it even a stage, but going through this with Georgie as far as like, again, expectations on food and nourishing yourself versus like the actual time you have and the sleep deprivation Mm. and how, how that sort of rolled. Yeah, it can be so hard. And I feel like it I think it's coming about more in general knowledge but it's just something like people focus so much on pregnancy and birth and then Mm. postpartum is just not thought about um, or hardly thought about basically so having I guess for me when first time around with Georgie setting myself up with habits was such a key player in my recovery Mm. um which I'll get into in a bit, but yeah, I guess there was a few things that I did um, that really helped me, but definitely I was not immune to the kind of pressure and emotional changes and all that kind of stuff that's wrapped up in postpartum. Like Mm. it is a really, um, really full on time and you feel so raw in your emotions Mm. and the sleep deprivation is so tough um Mm. as well so it's a beautiful time too like so magical and like so wonderful to have this new baby in your life um but yeah it can be wrapped up with a lot of other things too for both like women and couples or whatever it may be so um yeah I, i guess when you're in that such intense kind of period of life I guess if you want to call it that um it can be hard really to continue to look after yourself when you're focusing so much on looking after the baby um Mm. but yeah I guess first time around my postpartum went really pretty well I think so I guess I I feel like the main players in that for me were continuing to look after um my nutrition and uh, my health in general, I suppose, and um, keep an eye on my like blood levels of nutrients throughout pregnancy. So I had that kind of in mind that I wanted to monitor that throughout to make sure that postpartum I was set up for that. Mm -hmm. So the big example, I, I guess the most important factor there was my iron levels. So that for me, typically it like just bottomed out around 28 weeks pregnancy for me. Um, So I was keeping on a tab, like keeping tabs on that with pathology um, throughout the pregnancy. And I noticed it really dipped off. So I 
was supplementing, trying to get it back up, but it just would not budge for me. So I ended up mm-hmm. getting an iron infusion. Um, I think I was only, I think I was about 37 weeks pregnant when I had that done. So that's something that's, um, you know, a little bit controversial whether people are comfortable doing that or not. But for me, I felt like it was a good option. Mm. So, why, sorry to interrupt. Why? Yeah. Why do you think it's controversial? Forgive my intr- my um, ignorance. With, no. with it, like, what? Why do you think it's it is if um, someone's super deficient? Yeah, I well, I personally think it's if someone is really deficient, I would probably be recommending they get it uh, mm. obviously in the context of their health and history too but um, I think it's a bit controversial with uh, safety in pregnancy but mm. I had advice from the like the um, hospital like the main maternity hospital here in Brisbane um, you know we consulted with them and they advise it's totally safe in the third trimester okay. specifically. So I think, yeah, some people are a bit wary from that aspect of it, whether, you know, that amount of iron being right. infused, is, being infused is safe or not. But yeah. from my advice that I was given there, it was totally safe. But um, yeah, yeah it, it also depends on like your blood levels of the nutrients. But if you're really deficient, I think it's definitely mm. worth a conversation with your GP. Um, to see if that's something that you should be doing as well. I think it's important for postpartum recovery, thinking about the kind of blood loss that women Mm -hmm. experience, like in childbirth and then postpartum, like it can, you you can be bleeding for up to six weeks, you know, potentially more um, after that. So that's, you know, probably the biggest factor that I was thinking about. Yeah. and, And then just having the right nutrients on board to support recovery of all you know, your tissues and wound healing and all that kind of jazz. And then, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you find that doctors, even in that phase with recovery, are they open to doing the the blood testing and the regular testing? Like if you're just like, something's not right, like I am, I know that I'm sleep deprived and all these things, but I am like, I'm screwed, something's not right. Like are they generally really open to getting these tests oh i think it's i think it's so individual hey like yeah practitioner to practitioner i suppose but i guess a lot of the time you i hear that it's not routinely done Hmm. um and i know myself i asked yeah i was gonna say did you kind of push for it yeah oh totally yeah yeah. like there is routine blood tests that happen throughout pregnancy um yeah and yeah i know that every kind of time i had bloods coming up i would add things to it that i wanted to keep a check on um because they're yeah i mean some gps are really good about it but others just test you know your hormones or glucose or whatever it may be and then other markers don't even get a a mention so Mm. um that's something that's tied into the workshop is kind of talking about what markers that we should be across and ways that you can talk to your GP about it and kind of why we should be keeping tabs on it, which I think is a really big factor when you're trying to talk to your GP um, or care team or whatever it may be. Um, Yeah, just having that knowledge for yourself and then being able to tell them why you want these things tested. So uh, true. I think that's like one of 
the most. <laughs> I feel like it's a really big part of the workshop and what you're doing because I just, I personally see it too. I mean, in all sort of facets, but with this, mm. yeah, just again, that sort of understanding of the why and what to ask for and how, like you just said, even the language as well. And, and that sort mm. of power of understanding your own body because people know, they just... They know when something's not right. Yeah. It's just it's like, oh, it's just the pregnancy or it's just because you're, like, tired from not sleeping. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's so easy for in that postpartum stage, like, yeah, sure, you're tired and stuff, but you know if something's not right, as you said, Jess. So, mm. like, yeah, being able to advocate for yourself and say, like, no, I really want to check this just to be sure um yeah and and explain why you want to check it then I think that just gives you more evidence and kind of yeah empowerment exactly yeah absolutely Mm. it's so easy for GPs or health practitioners or whatever to just kind of brush things off as postpartum recovery or life with a newborn like it's just yeah yeah, and it it happens all the time too like Mm -hmm. you see it with clients a fair bit and what about the food side of this stage? Like, did you do a lot of the like classic batch cook up and try and have stuff in your fridge and freezer? <laughs> yes, so much. So I remember it was like December, early December, because I, I ended up having Georgie on the 16th of December. And I, so yeah, anyway, it was early December. It's bloody hot. And I'm just so pregnant in my kitchen with the oven on and like stove top going and all this stuff I'm making like bone broth and yeah doing so much cooking but yes it was hot and hard work <laughs> but best thing I did well not the best thing I did but a really really amazingly good thing and I highly recommend it for so many people um you know, women going into that stage, definitely consider doing this. It just helps Mm. out so much. Um, So, yeah. Did you rope in family members and friends as well? Um, You know, I didn't actually too much. Did you? No. And that is something I'm going to work on this time. Yeah, I would. I always (laughs) say that to clients. I'm like, build the army, build the army. Yes, I know. Look, I say it to clients too, right? But then doing it myself, it's like it is – my personality I do not find it easy to ask for help and yeah I did that so much in those early days with Georgie I was just like Mm. I'm fine I'm fine don't worry like I've got it but deep down I was like I don't got it like I need the help so that's something I'm working on like that's a personal goal for me next time um to just be more proactive and more comfortable with asking for help because it is Mm -hmm. it does make a huge difference and people want to help like your family and friends want to help like I had offers of help but it's just yeah me right oh look and I think it's a common trait right I I hate to stereotype it's super but it is very female and Mm. I was speaking to my sister about it on the weekend and she was just saying to me like some of those you know I'm like, what can I do to help? And she's like, just food, food always comes up. Just make, just make a big dish or whatever it is and take it round and like, you yeah. can just dump it on the front porch and knock and go with a note. Like it's just so much that comes back to food, but totally, yeah, it's, it's kind of like this space between the people who want to help, don't know how to help and then maybe try to help doing the wrong things. And sometimes become more of a hindrance yeah. <laughs> versus like actually asking for help. And I know I, I've said to clients like, 
you know, get your sort of batch cook ideal list thing together of what you like and then delegate. Like, yeah. I know even you saying that, I'm like, right, when I'm up there, I'm going to be hitting up all the girls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be like, yes. everyone, get baking. <laughs> baking that's, and cooking. Oh, that's too nice. <laughs> How lucky am I <laughs> having all the nutritionist meals? <laughs> Um, I, yeah, but totally. Yeah. It is really the best thing you could do is just be comfortable with asking for help and asking yeah. people for what you actually need. Um, cause as you said, yeah, like people want to help, um, but often they don't know how or mm. don't know what to do. So yeah, food is definitely always a good one. Like I always make meals for my friends that I know that have had babies. So mm. I'm always making up a meal or two for them to keep in the freezer. Um, I just find, I found that really amazing. Actually, I'd, I had one friend um, who, I, this is just one memory I have of postpartum. One friend came over one night with a meal for Rich and I, and mm-hmm. that just, you know, even though I had a freezer full of food, like it was just, you know, it was in a tray ready to go. And it was like, oh cannelloni or cannelloni i think is that the right yeah yeah the italian yeah yeah. yeah. um i always get like cannellinis and cannelloni and calzone the pastry one now or am i talking about the pasta one yeah not the dessert (laughs) i I do it too i'm like yeah i think it's cannelloni (laughs) not the dessert no (laughs) that would be nice a big tray of those yeah wouldn't (laughs) complain about that no uh no but she'd like made a tray of them for Rich and I. So we literally just had to like put it on, in the oven and that was done. Oh, and I was just like, wow. that is such a huge relief. And I, yeah, and I was so prepared with food and everything. So it's just, mm. I think it goes a long way um, and people so appreciate it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess but, just lastly with the food component of this part or this time, like did you feel like you were able to, sort of eat in an in a sort of nourishing way or did you find this also had its challenges that you had to navigate no i i found that yeah i ate really well like i felt i guess my motivation was recovery and supporting breastfeeding and Mm. all that kind of stuff so i had it in my head and i i guess it's just habitual for me as well um with the knowledge that i have that I found it quite easy to, mm. yeah, and, and again, I kind of prepped myself with having a freezer full of good meals and snacks, like, ready to go. So I could just go grab mm. something if I needed it or, or Rich would go grab it for me. And, mm. um, yeah, so, like, you know, even those things in the middle of the night when you're up breastfeeding, Rich mm-hmm. would roll out of bed and be like, what do you need? And I'm like... I need a protein ball and some snacks and more yeah. water, like, and he yeah. would just be able to go grab it. So, like, yeah, awesome. it just setting yourself up with little tricks like that really yeah. made it. That's what I remember from postpartum is just having things ready to go was so key. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I found it quite easy. But, yeah, I think it's definitely goes back to thinking about it before you have the bub and setting yourself up. And I think that's where it highlights your skills slash passion slash as you do, and your ingrained habits too. Mm. Like it's not you, – you're just kind of rolling off what you do anyway. Yeah. You have the full, and, and I guess that's part of 
being of what you love to do is to teach people to create these habits and what to do and the foresight of all of this. So yeah, yeah but it makes sense to me that you found that side of things easier um, than maybe the next person. But also, I don't think also, it's kind of like when I take a step back from this as a topic in general, I always think when it comes to eating well and eating whole food that it isn't hard. It's just like understanding the basics and then creating a habit with the basics. And it's like, oh, this is easy. Which a lot of clients at JCN will fundamentally end up saying it's like oh this is actually really easy I thought it'd be hard it's like no no it's just eating good whole food yeah it's pretty easy (laughs) exactly yeah like I know we've had that conversation and I've had it with the other girls at clinic it's like it's often it's not that sexy it's just (laughs) eating good food and like setting yourself up with the habits to do so and like Yeah. yeah it's it's um it's really interesting how complicated it can feel sometimes but yeah, like I, I literally had just made myself, um, you know, the kind of meals I prepped was like shepherd's pie and mm-hmm. a frittata, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> God, I can't even remember what else. But like, yeah, it was just such such basic food um, that was freezable. Like I have made a huge batch of protein balls um, that, again, just went in the freezer, like just a, a whole range of things like that. Um that's mm-hmm. not tricky it's not hard to do i guess i that as you said that's what i do kind of quite often so i've got the motivation and and the knowledge there but that's mm. what seeing a, a practitioner can be really helpful with is kind of setting you up for your individual skills and motivations um mm-hmm. Yeah, and getting those kind of habits built into your life as well, which I know is something that we talk to like all of the clients that we see about. Like it's always part of the treatment plan um, Mm -hmm. to work on. Yeah, like no matter what they've come in to see us for. Yeah, so well put. I also like that you mentioned frittata because I don't know how many times I talk about frittata for batch cooking. People are like, can you freeze frittata? Yes. <laughs> it's like, yes, you can. Yes. Like, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's the slightest bit watery mm. if you were like trying to – like it'd be fine in the oven, but, you know, yeah. if you try and go the microwave version, it's like it's still fine, but it might be the slightest bit weird – spongy wateriness but it's nothing yeah. that's an, really an issue but people was like oh my god I didn't know that yes <laughs> amazing like such a game changer there's <laughs> so much you can like, I'm just like you can freeze pretty much everything yeah like, there's so much particularly in this space that I'm just like just freeze it just freeze it just freeze it like freeze hummus freeze whatever it is just yes, freeze it totally <laughs> <laughs> like your, your pre-cooked veggies like yeah. freeze it yeah <laughs> if you're gonna it. be <laughs> Pesto, freeze it. Like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's, um, it makes it so much easier Like to when you're trying to prep things in advance. Like, mm-hmm. really makes a huge difference. Um, yeah. But, yeah, frittata is such a good one. I know. Like, yeah. I feel like I talk about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a goodie. <laughs> well, thank so. you so much. That was, um, that was awesome. So, yeah. The workshop we said is this Saturday, so it's Saturday the 26th of February, mm-hmm. Nutrition Fundamentals for Preconception and Pregnancy Workshop. So Lani's going to be talking through some topics in particular we've chatted about today. So there'll be, there will be talk, as she said, about the food side of thing and nutrition for fertility, conception, pregnancy, 
the foods as far as what you want to focus on, maybe ones that you want to avoid, um, a lot of guidance around the um, support for the hormones in this space, the navigating the pregnancy symptoms, which we've touched on today. Yeah. Um, but a big a big area, which I think is great, is about supplementation, like individual individuality there, what's needed, um, really interestingly touched on today you know it's not just about the basics of natal vitamin and the things you'll talk about there's actually other things that can be considered depending on what's going on for you whether it's anything from mental health to gut stuff like yeah there's there's a really interesting discussion there and then of course the pathology testing um, yeah. which I think we just are very passionate about. So yeah. if you'd like to book, um, you can head to the link in the show notes and also on our socials. So it'll be on the JCN Clinic page, um, mine and then Lani's. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty much where you need to head. But please get in quick because obviously we've got about a – well, five days, if I do my maths off the top of my head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. something like that. <laughs> so, yeah, get in. Um, spaces are limited. Um, and I think that's it. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, no, that, that pretty much rounds it off. It's just, um, I know I said this in the live that we did the other day as well, but this workshop is basically like a culmination of the most kind of asked about stuff that mm-hmm. clients come to me about um in clin- uh, in consults so it's just yeah I-, I wanted it to be a good discussion about all things pregnancy um touching a little bit on postpartum prep that we have talked about here today um but yes particularly on the supplements and pathology testing side of things because i feel like that's something that people aren't necessarily as much across and i find yeah. a lot of the consults that i do are educating around that um around that side of things so yeah it'll be super interesting for anyone who's thinking about conceiving anytime soon or um, are already pregnant as well so yeah Mm -hmm. it'll be a good workshop and i'm really excited about it me too me too and it'll be super chilled like lani's is just a wealth of knowledge but the the point of our workshops always is to be a really welcoming space you can ask questions Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah um yeah. It'll be wonderful. So don't miss out. No, no, I really want it to be like a good discussion. So like questions that you have or, you know, things that you want, like myth busters and things like that. So yeah. um, if you've got anything like that, it's like a, yeah, kind of an intimate chat about all those kind mm. of aspects. Yeah. Wonderful. Nice. Well, thank you so much. No worries. Thanks for that having me, awesome. Jess. <laughs> I know you didn't even swear. Oh, I didn't. No, nah, I was about to throw an F-bomb in there, but nah. <laughs> no. It's, kid, it's kid-friendly. It is. Can put, put it on. Yeah. PG. Love it. That's it. Okay. Cool. Thank All you. All right. Thanks, and Jess. Thanks, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will speak to you next time. Bye. Bye.